Hey, this is Brian Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate, and we are back for part two of our Christmas episode, live at Rick Emmett's house. We're in his basement, actually. There's loads of guitars everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I still have the disease. <laughs> Gas. Guitar acquisition syndrome. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and we left off, I believe, at uh, Sleigh Ride last week. So we are going to begin uh, what we were talking about. We are joking about saying the first song of Side 2, Sleigh Ride being the last side of Side 1, uh, Jingle Bell Rock and Bobby Helms. Do you want to get right into it? What do you want to do? Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk about Bobby Helms. He's, he's fine. I want to talk about the guitar player, All right, Hank Garland, Hank Sugarfoot Garland. Yeah. And uh, he's the land of the Gibson guitar, Bird Land. There was a guy named Joe Bird and Hank Garland. These were Nashville guys. And Gibson said, yeah, we'll build you a guitar model. And it was unique because it had a shorter scale than other production models. Really slick, hip guitar. And people will know it because it was the guitar that Ted Nugent became famous playing in the early days. Huge. Yeah, Yeah, it was a big body guitar, but it was a really skinny little short little neck. Did it have the F-holes in it too? Yeah. 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 It was a jazz guitar kind of. Yeah. But... um, you could play anything on it, you know, just depending on how you set your amp. Yeah. Yeah. As as Nugent well, proved. Tango Tango. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, Garland was the guy that played on Jingle Bell Rock. He also played on the, you know, second song we're going to do in our, our set. But, and he, it was tragic. He was in a car accident and then it kind of killed, he, he, but he was probably one of the best guitar players in America at the time. He had a, there's an album that exists called Jazz Winds from a New Direction, okay. Hank Garland. And he, he was a great player because he was one of the first guys that sort of said, I'm going to take jazz and I'm going to take country and I'm going to take rock and roll and I'm going to start mixing it all up, you know, mm. and a uh, great player that way. Yeah. But um, anyways, and he, he was the guy that had the lick, you know, right off the top of that record. That's this little... Right. Nice. So that little lick, and and he plays other stuff in the. But he was a guy that had like these really cool chords that he would use as part of the things. So um, there would be like these, uh, you know, six nine chords okay. and and nine chords that he would use. You know, thirteens, that kind of stuff. Listen, really slidey kind of greasy stuff. But that. Uh, you can hear Chuck Berry in that For kind sure. of stuff, right? Yeah. So these two stringer things. And remember, I played you, you know, last week we had Oscar Moore, and he was playing his like. Uh... So that's yeah. two strings, and what's what's Hank Garland doing? He's playing this, you know, like the two strings again, and yeah. like these little kind of dyads, you know. Yeah. But they were really hip, and they sound really. And they in the mix, that guitar is loud, you know. Yeah. yeah. So. I really like that, and he, he gets to the end of of uh, of that tune, and and uh, I think he's made as much of a statement as 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 you know Helms did, Bobby Helms. Yeah. So that tune was written by uh, Ad Guys. Remember we talked about yes. commercialism. <laughs> yeah. So Joe Bill was a PR man, and Jim Booth was an ad writer. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And they were the guys that wrote that tune. You know. But okay. and that would have been a thing where a publisher in Nashville says, "Hey, Bobby, we've heard a song for you. Here's a demo. What do you think?" Yeah. Well, we'll go in the studio and hey, let's get that guy Hank Garland to play on it because he's really hip. Wow. And they, they they let Garland be loud in the mix because he's kind of, well, he's a he's he's a hip guy. He's cool. We we're going to feature him. Yeah. Yeah. 
they used to call those step out performances in, in contracts too. Like if you were a guy like um, way back in the day, say Artie Shaw or, okay. you know, um, one of the Dorsey brothers or something, and you signed your record deal, they'd say, well, now we've got you. You can't go and do step out performances, which mm. is to say solo on somebody else's without getting our permission first, which so is why you always on see that. on albums, you know, appears courtesy of. Yes. Yeah. That's ah. because contracts always had those things. Like once you signed, you you only belong to them. They locked you up. Yeah, well, they'd let you do it if it wasn't, they weren't going to let, you know, I don't know, Doris Day go and sing on somebody else's record. Frank right. Sinatra could only sing. And eventually Frank Sinatra started his own label. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reprise Records was him. Was know? it really? Yeah. Huh? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyways, that's tangent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went off on a tangent. Anyway, so Jingle Bell Rock. Everybody, I hope you listen to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we can move along. Next one is Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree with Brenda Lee. This is a classic. It is. It is. And it's it, yeah. like Hank plays a slightly less, you know, important role in this because there's a sax solo and there's a sax player. Yeah. And there's a thing at the end of the thing where you hear the sax go, and he goes. That's the ending. He's only playing the. Really? Yeah. He, but And the, the little burp thing. Is, yeah. That's the sax. At the end, so I have to go back end. and listen to that now. Yeah, it has it has the two string descending line to start. So it was in the key of A, and he did a lot of these. Uh, like he had these kinds, of, like so there'd be these kind of chords, uh, and the so he, he had these like, uh, and then. Again, two stringy little yeah. things, right? So that's his big lick from it, you know, these little and then that's his wow. that's his little lick. And, and uh yeah, then it gets to the end of the tune and there's this like there's this like a but he doesn't do that. It's the sax. Yeah. Because you can if you listen stereo, the the hoot is happening on one side, that's a sax. Oh. And then you can hear the guitar just doing the little Anyways, Garland was this guy. He was all about these kind of uh, these yeah. kind of six nine chords and nine chords in the solo behind the uh, sax in yep. uh, "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." The rhythm guitar playing is fantastic. Like yeah. just really nice little stabs and percussive little shots and and stuff that just gives it a great feel. Mm-hmm. So people should be listening for that. Yeah. Yeah. Then that was Garland's thing. So that was the next year. That was 1958 after the, you know, rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah. You remember I mentioned to you last week about the quoting of things and the, you know, doubling up on the nostalgia or doubling up on the sentiment, like you bring something back. Yeah. Like rocking around the Christmas tree, the the bridge and that goes, you will get a sentimental feeling when you hear yeah. voices calling, let's be jolly, deck the halls with boughs of holly. Yeah. So- here it comes. Another Christmas carol is coming back inside the lyric of, and this was a trend. This was like, oh, we're going to quote something from, you know, have a little lyric from another old Christmas thing. Yeah. So that um, everybody goes, oh, yeah. Remember when we used to get around and sing that? You know, oh, my parents used to have that. And we yeah. Used to listen to that on the stereo. Yeah. And so this is 1958, and they're already firmly... You know, Madison Avenue has figured this out, you know, like... Nostalgia. By, by the way, did you know this? Did you know that um, Santa Claus wears a red and white suit because of Coca-Cola? 
Did you like our image of Santa Claus? Really? Is because yeah, and that happened. In, I think 1896 or something. I don't remember the exact year, but Coca Cola started doing ads with Chris Kringle as this really red apple cheeked, big white beard, and then a red coat with a big black belt and and black boots and really yep that was Santa and so that was really the first iteration of the image. Of Santa, because Chris Kringle might have been, you know, long thing, weird hat, very German. I remember know? seeing images of that. Yeah, yeah, like you know, he, he might have been, he might have been wearing green. He might have been wearing, you know, yeah, whatever. Really, that was yeah. Coca Cola behind that. Coca Cola invented the red because Coca Cola red and white. Of course, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, and, so they'd been on to this for a while, and now it was finding its way. Now, lyric writers were not going to miss out on a chance to quote. Something else to sure. sort of double down on the nostalgia feeling, yeah. Wow. So, anyways, so Brenda Lee did that. Uh, uh, you know, deck the halls with bows of all. Her voice is a pretty good voice. Oh yeah. But again, you know, for me, I'm listening to the guitar parts. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Marks was the guy that wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. And that I don't. Was... I don't. I know nothing about him. Mm. <laughs> 1958. Shall we guess he was a copywriter? No, I don't know. I'm was he, was he making a, a joke because yeah, ad writer. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a PR man. Yeah. Know, who knows? Unbelievable. All right, let's move on. All right, so we're going to uh, take a huge leap ahead. Yeah. Chronologically here with my favorite things by Larry Carlton. This is 1989. Yeah. See, so we've covered off all of the stuff that you know playlists in my house, which. Generally speaking, my wife is in charge of the playlists. I, I get very – and then, you know, we have four kids. Yeah. And as they were growing up, the, slowly but truly, they would also start to have heavy and, – and it's funny how kids have nostalgia. Mm. And one of my favorite stories is that it's Christmas time and they're sitting around. And the, we had twins and they were seven years old. Oh. And they're sitting around by the tree and they're having one of those little kid conversations. And one of them says to the other one, do you remember when we used to, oh yeah, that was so great when we would, and they're reminiscing. Seven. Yeah. They're seven <laughs> years old. They're reminiscing about something that Way happened two when. or three years ago. You know, like, oh, that was the best. Yeah. You know, so, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, playlists sort of got hijacked, you know, so I had very little input. But before I left, you know, my Brent Jensen podcast moment, I wanted to make sure that I got Get some of my stuff in there. So, on my playlists, and th there's a there's an irony to this because Larry Carlton he'd made a deal with uh, MCA, mm -hmm. and he put out these. You know, he was the guy that famous guitar player who'd played like on uh, Larry on uh, Steely Dan albums oh. and stuff. Like he was a, a a heavy duty session guy. LA and he had a studio called Room 335 he played a, a Gibson 335 guitar and nice. he was called Mr. 335 and he had this you know very heavy duty reputation so he got this deal and so he did a Christmas record as part of you know delivering records which he probably recorded in the middle of summer mm. yeah so and it had you know lots of cool stuff on it but it was all uh, it wasn't all instrumental it, mostly instrumental okay. he, he had a he had a female vocalist sing I think two or three things mm -hmm. But um, Larry's like he's a jazz cat, but he's a jazz cat that he can play blues, he can play rock. You know, he he he, he kind of covers the territory. 
But um, the tune that I liked off the album. Oh, and so here's the ironic thing. Sorry. His album was called Christmas at My House. Okay. And so what you and I are talking about now is Christmas at My House. Yeah. Rick Emmett. Like, at my house, there's going to be lots of guitar. Yeah. You know, like it's going to sneak into the playlists. There's a great album by Tuck Andrus, and I think it's called uh, Snow and Other Things or something like that. Songs about snow and mistletoe and other – I can't remember. But it's it's a great fingerstyle Christmas record, okay. which of course my family goes, no, we're not listening to that. It's boring. You know, we don't want to listen to that. <laughs> but Larry Carlton, they'll let me. There's ones that have become family favorites off of that one, which oh, is great. Good, but not this one. Yeah. <laughs> this one, my favorite things, is an unbelievably great song. By yep. the way, like an incredible construction, and that was a uh, 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 Rogers and Hammerstein. That was from uh, My Fair Lady. Oh wow! Yeah, you know that was when she's talking about you know. Julie Andrews sings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was originally Mary Martin on on Broadway. Oh, I didn't know. It was that. a stage play. Yeah, it was okay. a Broadway show. Yeah, yeah. And then you know the movie became you know Julie Andrews famous kind of thing. Okay. But yeah, but that tune is just such a great. If you think about the the way the chords and the melody are constructed, and we talked about some of this last week, just the uh, like a uh, it has this. He does it like six, eight jazz waltz, you know. Progression of the warm. melody, right? Yeah. And it has this jazz. Remember, I talked about two fives. Yeah. That's a that's kind of like a chord cycle, yeah. you know. So it kind of loops. That's very jazzy. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember this chord. So, because it had that. Just watching you play that, those are some very interesting chord structures too. On the uh, the middle of the neck, yes, yeah. Well, and that's why jazz guys gravitate to that tune. You know, they they look at the at a, you know Christmas playlist, yeah. You know, the catalog, and they go, "Oh, that's a kind of a hip little tune because yeah. it's got nice little hip little changes, and yeah. it's got a different feel." That six eight jazz waltz is a kind of a yeah. It's a pretty cool thing to be it's able. It's got to, a nice swing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Now you're going to edit that. And make sure that I oh, my, yeah, my make, clams and I'll make sure you sound good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, that was 1959 that that song got written, but the the uh, the Larry Carlton thing didn't come till 1989. But uh, yeah, the jazz said I may want the jazz boy in me wanted to get that in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it sounds great. It sounds great. So next, uh, a spiritual 
We have Go Tell It on the Mountain by yes. the Yellow Jackets, 93. Yeah, but it's 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 not, you know, very spiritual necessarily the way they do it. Okay. It's more like a barn burner. Oh, really? It doesn't start that way. The track starts kind of moody, and and then the, at a certain point, uh, the drummer on that track, yeah, so the drummer in the Yellow Jackets got him, Will Kennedy, okay. and he gets this thing going on the snare drum, yeah. which is... Uh, it's like a train. Yeah. And the bass player is a guy named Jimmy Haslip. And that rhythm section is just incredible. These are, again, L.A. session cats. Okay. And they're, I don't think they even did a Christmas album. What happened was GRP, the label GRP, and that's uh, Dave Grusin, okay. who's a very famous keyboard playing, piano playing, uh, soundtrack writing kind of guy. Like, uh, I think the soundtrack to Tootsie was Dave Grusin. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's a... Very well established. And he made a lot of money. And then he said, hey, you know, and then there was a guy named Rosen. I can't remember his first name. Art Rosen, maybe. But the two of them decided, hey, we're going to start a label. So that's the G and the R. Okay. And uh, yeah, so Productions, GRP. So they they started signing up all the LA jazz guys yeah. to, get, to get to do their own albums, you know. And then once they had a roster of all these great jazz guys, they said, hey, let's do a Christmas record. So then they would get, you know, Two tracks from this guy, one track from these these people, you know. So the Yellow Jackets did this song for a GRP Christmas collection, mm. which, you know, out, out it went to smooth jazz stations in the States. And, you know, it got a lot of airplay, but not this Yellow Jackets thing. It was a little too out there. <laughs> but my God, the playing on it is just fantastic. You know, the there's a soprano sax and, and, uh, and Haslip and the drummer, especially. It's just like... You know, we talked earlier about uh, back in the 50s, sleigh ride was like a bobsled yeah. going down a snowy hill. <laughs> this thing is like, you know, the Midnight Express. Like a freight train. The Polar Express, just like, like yeah. right through the snow. Like, it's just crazy. Well, I'm going to yeah. check this out. I, I've, I've never heard it. Yeah. So that the guy that originally sort of compiled the tune of Go Tell It on the Mountain, that goes all the way back to like some of this music that's in there is spiritual stuff from like 1865. Yeah, yeah. You know, that go tell it on the mountain. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, kind of a a spiritual kind of a thing. Yeah. But by the time these guys get a hold of it, it's supersonic. (laughs) It's like, it's crazy good. So, yeah. Uh, Full kudos out there to Will Kennedy. He's the man playing that snare drum. And when I hear it, I cannot help it. When the pl- I I'm dancing, really? I'm, yep, I'm up in the middle of the room, and it That's just awesome. it, it's got a banjo part. Yeah, <laughs> when it gets going, it's like when it, when the first starts, it's this. So it's like, yeah, it's like a revival meeting. Seriously. Know? Oh, right? yeah. It's yeah. just so hip. It's just wow. Rocking. Yeah, yeah, really great. Now, how do the uh, rest of the Emmett Brood feel about this? They don't mind that one. Okay. They yeah. don't mind that one. It, yeah. It's my favorite thing's no. Yellow jackets, ah, yeah, okay. You yeah. Know, my wife will have it on her playlist. You can slip that God, every play. Don't you find this with playlists? Like, you can't just stay in one mood for too long. Yeah. You have to break it up a bit. Well, like especially you, with Christmas music, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you need something that's kind of lively. Yes. You know, and, and then because the moody, sad ones are coming. And, and yeah. you know, the ones that are going to make you shed a tear. Yeah. Know, but yeah. So every now and then you need one that's like that. 
Yeah. That jolt of Coca-Cola from Santa. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. I remember what you were saying uh, before about constructing playlists for, you know, get-togethers. So if it's just you and your family or if it's a party or if it's, exactly. you know, depending on the event, you kind of strategize in terms of like mood and, and emotion transfer and stuff like exactly that. Exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, people are coming into the party. Your playlist, you don't want it to be too dominating. You want right. it to be backgroundy. Yes. So you're not going to have high energy stuff. But now once everybody's got a drink in them yes. or, or a drink and a half, yeah. right around then, now you want some stuff that's going to make it so that the conversation in the room has to start kind of being like this. And so now the level, it's like when you're at a restaurant. Do you do, do, you do that? Do you turn it up like inconspicuously? Uh, you just put, go tell it on the mountain on. And the, the drum groove is just going to do its work. You know, yeah, a little bit. Maybe, yeah. you know, restaurants do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do that. I do that in yeah. my house. When we have parties, it's the same thing. People come in. You don't want the music to dominate. But then, you know, once the drinks start flowing, I'll go over and turn the music up. Yeah. And the whole the room volume just. And the energy picks up. And exactly. The, and, and now people are having animated conversations. And maybe somebody even starts dancing. And, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then as the parties kind of, now people have had too much to drink. And yeah. they're sitting around and they're, you know, going, has anybody put the coffee on? What's, what's that? You know. <laughs> Now we're going to play, you know, the, the gentler, That's you right. know, the stuff that people will listen to. This Now people are going to listen to music. Yes. You know? They're yeah. not really listening before they're using. Yeah. yeah. As I've, you and I have had these conversations off mic, music is very utilitarian in a lot yes. of its, and it has to be. Yeah. And there's no point fighting City Hall on that one. Yeah. You know, it's going to be background. It's going to be wallpaper. You yeah. Know? But then people have... A couple of tokes, maybe a little little something to drink, and then they're oh, you know, they're now they're settling back, and they go, oh, I'm going to get into this. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Rick Emmett's playlist strategy for you right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you have one more uh, track on your uh, on your playlist here, and it is called "Breath of Heaven" by Vince Gill, 1998. Yeah. Yeah, this is my favorite Christmas song of all. And this is truly music that you listen to. This is not something that, it's not great party music. <laughs> but this is, if you're just sitting alone and you want something that is going to try to bring all of the different fabric strands of Christmas together. Mm -hmm. To me, all of the stuff about faith and hope. There's a lovely story behind this song. First of all, Vince Gill is just singing it. Yeah. His wife, Amy Grant, yeah. is the lyricist. Mm -hmm. But she didn't write it. It was actually written by a guy named Chris Eaton. Okay. And Chris Eaton was a guy, English guy. And he, uh, because of the sort of Christian faith community, he was in her band, her touring band. Yeah. And he'd written this tune, Breath of Heaven, which was a Christmas kind of song. And she loved the chorus of it. Uh, she loved the simplicity of the chorus. But she was really pregnant. At yeah. the, and she was going to be going in to do a Christmas record. And she said to uh, Eaton, you know, can I rewrite the lyric? I'd like to rewrite the lyric. Uh. From the point of view of Mary mm -hmm. having to carry God's baby. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Like Heavy. now, you and me, we're 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 atheists. Yeah. So you know, we're a little skeptical about this thing. But nevertheless, you know, this is the story of Christmas. This is the true story of a baby being, you know, born. But yeah. now it's from Mary's perspective. This idea of why did you pick me? Why do I have to do this? Mm. Like I'm just an ordinary woman, kind of thing. Which, of course, 
if you think about the Catholic Church, which you grew up in, at a, at a certain point, they turned into, she was even more than a saint. Yeah. She was like, wow, she was the Virgin Mary. She was this pure, unadulterated. In Amy Grant's approach to it, she turns into this, you know, just this humble person that's mm. going, wow, you know, like, I believe in you, mm-hmm. God. I, I'm, you know, I have a sacred approach here, but I need your help. I need the breath of heaven. Mm. I need something pure to get me through this, mm-hmm. you know, which it's such a, a, a an epic thing to approach a song with. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But, and of course, Vince Gill, my God, what a singer he is. Yeah. Like, and, it's that's high tenor, so it's almost like the old church boys that would sing first soprano. They yeah. were, you know, like which I I did when I was you yeah. know, eight to about twelve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and there would be some people that would say, even in triumph, you were still a first soprano. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <It's> true. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, like Vince Gill is such a great singer, and and he's a man of faith. So there's that quality is inherent in the performance so Mm -hmm. it's just and it's a beautiful arrangement like so um they've been so careful with it and again this is uh michael mardian was the producer with a brown tony brown and uh it's just the arrangement is is as good as good gets Mm -hmm. in terms of capturing the the mood of of the lyric and and the melody so that the recording itself is, and these are the you know these are the ingredients, right? I mean, you start with a song, a great song, yeah. But you can butcher it in the studio; it could it could end up being horrible, yeah. you know. But if a great song matches a great arrangement, mm-hmm. and then that matches a great recording, wow, that's the stuff that wins Grammys, you know, yeah. as yeah. this album did, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is the end of your song list. I want to thank you for the immense breadth of the conversation. This is <laughs> you you added so much. I mean, you, you talked about history. I learned so much about things that you said about these songs and it's going to make me go back and listen to them and really listen to them. And I would encourage listeners to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, there there are terrific stories behind these songs and oftentimes we take them for granted because they're always there yes. at Christmas time. But, you know, I love the fact that you really dug into these and, and this is very thought provoking. So thank you. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Totally. In the spirit of Christmas. Yep. Can you play us out with something? Yeah. What do you want? Um, I don't know. Player's choice. What do you think? Uh, let me go through my book and see what I got here. Some of these I haven't played in such a long time. So like I didn't really rehearse before <laughs> I got here. I'm kind of putting out the spot, Rick. I'm sorry. No, no, that's all right. I could do uh, Santa Claus is coming down. Do you want to have yourself a Merry Christmas? Yeah, that'd be great. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on our 
will be miles away Thank you so much. That was terrific. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much for the hospitality. Thank you for the chat. It's always great chatting with you. And Merry Christmas to you. Same to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Mr. Rick Emmett. Till next time, folks. Merry Christmas and take good care. Ho, ho, ho. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. <laughs>